In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Yesterday we, or sorry, last week, uh, we, we started to speak about this concept of the inner man versus the outer man. Was anyone here last week that uh, you can remind us of what this is about? Okay, you're here. What, what, is, uh, what is the concept of the inner man versus the outer man? Let me, I can read for you a quote here to maybe jog our memory, okay? So this is uh, a quotation by uh, a man whose name was St. Dmitri Rostov. He says, There are many among you who have no knowledge of the inner work required of the man who would hold God in remembrance, nor do such people even understand what remembrance of God means or know anything about spiritual prayer for they imagine that the only right way of praying is to use such prayers as are to be found in church books. Do you remember when we talked about this? No. Okay. So what does this mean? Yeah, right. Okay, but you said something. You said sometimes, right? You said you said we can pray from the Agbeya, and sometimes you have prayer from the heart. What do you think? It should be what? It should be all the prayers from the heart, right? Oh, every prayer should be from the heart. Why do we use the Agbeya? It's a guide to help us pray from the heart. Like that's why we like. Sometimes we think that the Agbeya is like a magical book. You know, or that the church, when t the church tells us to use the Agbeya for prayer, that's because that's like the only way to pray or that's the right way. There are a lot of elements of the Agbeya that teach us how to pray, that otherwise without it we would not pray. There's a lot of things about the Agbeya that help me to pray for a prolonged period of time that, you know, I remember a long time ago when I was teaching a high school, Sunday school class, and one of the kids was like, uh, uh, why do we have to pray with the Agbeya? Why can't we just have a personal prayer? This was like at the beginning of a meeting, like one of these spiritual meetings that we'd have. So usually when we pray with the Agbeya, it would be like 10 minutes or so of praying with the Agbeya at the beginning before the class started. So I was like, okay, how about this? You lead us in the prayer for five minutes without using the Agbeya. Just pray your own words for five minutes. He's like, okay. So he started to pray. His prayer was like 20 seconds. And that was as far as he could go. Right? So... Yes, ideally, you know, I would be able to speak from my heart to God for an indefinite amount of time, right? But in practice, we struggle to do that. So the Agbeya is, is like something like it's a teacher. It's something teaching us to have more prolonged time with God. But the goal is not teach, reading with the Agbeya. The goal is having prayer from the heart. Whether I have prayer from the heart as I pray with the Agbeya, whether I have prayer from the heart separate from the Agbeya, the Agbeya is like a tool, right, that we're using. The Agbeya is not the goal. So here in this quote here, this man, St. Dimitri, what is he saying?
Yes. And there are some people that feel that that is what prayer is. Prayer is reading a prayer book. And many people believe that. That that is the extent of what prayer is about. And if I pray from my prayer book, if I read from my prayer book, then I have prayed. Right? And the, and, and the experience that I have reading from my prayer book, that is the experience of prayer. And the emotions that I have while reading in my prayer book, that is the, um, the emotions of prayer. Right? But here he's saying what? Many among you have no knowledge of the inner work required of the man who would hold God in, in remembrance, nor do such people even understand what remembrance of God means. Right? Just because you are praying from a prayer book doesn't mean you are actually having this, what he calls the remembrance of God or the awareness of the presence of God in a very real and tangible way. Okay? So we spoke last week, introduction of this topic, um, and we spoke about what is this inner work right that this is a work inside person not not an external activity we spoke about what does the remembrance of god mean where we're remembering who we are and who god is and all the work and things that god has done for us and how we are in need of his love and his mercy and salvation we spoke about the the church books there's nothing wrong with the church books we need the church books right we benefit from the church books right but but that is not the goal of prayer Right. The goal of prayer is to have a connection with God. Okay, We spoke about this concept of the secret communion of God in the heart. Right, that This is the goal of prayer. We have the secret communion with God in the heart that cannot be explained even. It cannot be described to another person. It's an experience that each person has inside of them. Okay, We spoke about the analogy of blindness, about how... Um, a person who is physically blind, living in the world, who was born blind, never seen light before, the only way that they would acknowledge that they were blind is because they would have to believe somebody else who can see, who is telling them that they are blind. right? And this is what Jesus Christ did. Is he came into the world and he told us all that we are blind and there is something that you do not see. And those who believed in him, believed what he said, acknowledged their blindness, and were willing to repent, were willing to change, were willing to do something to accept the light that comes from him. And those who rejected them, him are the ones that refused to believe that they were blind, right, and continued in the way that they were, right? So this idea of experiencing God, the secret communion of the heart, like we have to acknowledge that there's something lacking in us, and we're seeking it from God, okay? Um, he said man is dual we have both two aspects of us we have like the exterior and the interior we have the the flesh and the spirit right and, and, and in both ways these two are kind of at war with one another the flesh wants us to indulge in the world and to enjoy the world and the things in it the spirit wants us to in, to, to to enjoy the things of the spirit right whereas the, the, these are two completely opposing forces two completely opposing things that are driving us in one way or the other we spoke about this last time okay so um now i'm going to speak about a few points okay related to some characteristics of this outer versus the inner man okay so he goes on and he says the works of the outer man are visible but those of the inner man are invisible only he who tests the innermost hearts and the inward parts knows all of the secrets of the inner man so what does that mean 
The works of the outer man are visible, but those of the inner man are invisible. Yes, we do not know what's going on in the heart of a person. We can see the external only. And because we see the external, it's very easy for us to fool one another, right? Because I can put on a show for you. I can pretend to be a certain way. Uh, Christ, he rebuked the Pharisees for this. He said, you go on street corners and you pray in public and you pretend to do all these holy and righteous things in public so that people will praise you. Even the way that you dress, the way that you talk, the things that you do, you say that not to be seen by God, but to be seen by man, right? So this is the outer work. Right, the works of the outer man. What is the work of the inner man? Okay, your motivations, right? That's part of the inner man. Your motivations. What, am, what is my intention, right? The intention is something that only God can see. Is my intention to please others or is my intention to please God? Maybe from the outside you can't tell, you know, but God can tell, God can see. There's a, a famous story from the, the early church. I think I want to say it was from St. Macarius, but I'm not sure. One of the disciples of the saint came to him and he said to him, I, I want to, you know, you know, I want to be dispassionate. Like I, 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 I want to only care about, you know, uh, how God sees me and not how man sees me. So the saint told him, uh, go to the cemetery and go to those people who are dead and buried in the cemetery and go and curse them. Curse them while they're dead. So he said, okay. And he goes to the cemetery and he curses them and curses them and curses them. And of course, they get no response. He gets no response back. So he goes back to his spiritual father and his spiritual father asks him, so did you... Um, did you do what I said? And he said, yes. And he said, so what was their response? And he said, nothing. They didn't respond at all. Okay. So then he said, go again to the cemetery and this time praise them. Right. So he goes to the cemetery, he praises them. He says they're like the best, most holy people that ever lived on the, on the earth and all of this. And of course, they didn't respond. And so he came back to his spiritual father and his spiritual father said, so what happened? He said, well, they didn't say anything. They didn't respond. So he told them, this is how you should be. You should be unmoved by either praise or criticism, right? Unmoved. This is what it means to be dead to the world. Being dead to the world meaning I don't care what people think of me. I only care what God thinks of me. I only, I'm, I'm only concerned with God's judgment of me, not what other human beings, how they judge me. And this is certainly part of this motivation, right? Why do we do what we do? What is the reason why we do it? Um, sometimes we might find ourselves doing things to be seen. We want positions that are very uh, recognized, right? Whereas we find it maybe less, uh, you know, less appealing to have positions or services or jobs or whatever where we're like in the back. Nobody sees us. Nobody knows us. Nobody even knows our name or what it is that we're doing, right? Again, who is it that I'm trying to please? Am I trying to please God or trying to please man? So this is one characteristic of the outer versus the inner is what God is the one who tests the innermost hearts. The inward parts knows all the secrets of the inner man. God is the one who knows, right? 
This is the one whom we should be pleasing. Another aspect of the difference between the outer versus the inner man is the type of training that we train. Okay, so he says, training then must also be twofold, outer and inner. Outer in reading books, inner in thoughts of God, outer in love of wisdom, inner in love of God, outer in words, inner in prayers, outer in keenness of intellect, inner in warmth of spirit, outer in technique, inner in vision. What does that mean? When he says training must be twofold, okay, outer and inner, he's speaking about, like, go back to the concept we spoke earlier about the books, the church books, okay? So the church books we said is important, that we want to use them, but the goal of the church books is to strengthen the inner, is to make the inner have a connection with God, right? So here when he says outer in reading books, like there's a training, right? A training that we do by reading books. What kind of training do we get by reading books? Okay. So when he says here, outer in reading books, inner in thoughts of God, what is the distinction between reading books and thoughts of God? Yes. So back to the idea of what we said with the, the church books, the idea that some people might think that praying from a church book, simply reading the words of a book is what prayer is. Right. And we said that that's not right. Um, here he makes that distinction again. He says what we want to learn about God. But but, you know, I, I, I don't remember if I used this example before, but like I give you examples like let's say you were going to write a biography about Abraham Lincoln. Okay, and you go and you research absolutely everything there is to know about Abraham Lincoln and you know all of the details of all his history and where he's been and how he died and how he lived and everything. Right. Could you say that, you know, Abraham Lincoln well? In one aspect, you can say, I know all the facts about him, but you don't know what it's like to be with him because you've never been with him. If you think about your best friend the one whom you know well, you probably know your best friend much better than you know Abraham Lincoln, even though you never did that amount of research on your friend, right? You simply know your friend simply by acquaintance, by, by spending time with them, right? So the idea here is what? When we read the books about God, this gives us valuable information about God that can, we can use to grow closer to him. But those books and reading those books by itself is not equivalent to having a relationship with God. Knowing all the historical facts about Abraham Lincoln is not the same as knowing Abraham Lincoln. Had I lived at the time of Abraham Lincoln and I was his confidant and his friend and he came and spoke with me and I spoke with him, I would have a far, far, far deeper understanding of who he was rather than just reading historical facts about his life. Right? So the same is true with God. Reading information 
about God is not the same thing as knowing God. Doesn't mean that reading the information is wrong. No, it's necessary. And that's actually how God communicated it. His, all this information and his, this knowledge to us. Let me give you, um, came to my mind this verse in, in John chapter 5, which is a very important verse that kind of discusses this concept. This is... Uh, Okay, this is John 5, 39 and 40. This is Christ speaking. He says, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. Right? It sounds right. Right? You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. That's, that's what we believe. We believe that the scriptures have the knowledge of God. They testify of God. When we read the scriptures, we learn about God. Yes? But then he goes on to say what? In verse 40. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. You go to the scriptures and you search them because they have the words of eternal life and they testify of God. But he takes a step further and says, but you are not willing to come to me that you may receive the life which is described in the scriptures. This is the difference between the outer and the inner. The outer is I am reading about the Lord. The inner is I'm going to the Lord. I'm responding to the information. I'm responding to the knowledge of God that I have received by actually taking action, personal action. You know, reading is like one of the easiest things we can do because you just sit in your house and you're reading. You don't sacrifice anything. Maybe you sacrifice a little bit of time. But when St. Anthony went to the church and he heard the scripture being read, saying, go sell all that you have, give it to the poor, take up your cross, deny yourself, and come and follow me, that's what prompted him to go and become the first monk and the father of the monks. All of us have heard that verse. You know, we all sit in the church, we hear these verses, verses after verses after verses. But how many of us are convicted and our hearts to take such a great sacrifice as this and to actually apply it and to change. I'm not saying that that verse means that all of us should do that. That's the way that God was speaking to St. Anthony and his specific calling. But the scripture speaks and we should listen. Listen doesn't mean I now have greater knowledge of the word. I have greater knowledge of God. No, I, I need to what? Be willing to go to him so that may, we may receive the life that is spoken of in the scripture. Okay? This is the inner versus the outer. Okay? And it's important for us to understand this because many people excel in the outer. Many people excel in the outer. I can say, you know what? I fast all the fasts of the church and I read all the Bible. I've read the whole Bible and I read the Bible every day. And I go and attend liturgies every week. And I, I do all of these activities, right? But how many of these activities are, are really done from my heart with a true desire for repentance versus I'm doing them because the church has said that these are what should be done. 
I read the Bible and in these I see the words of eternal life and I stop. These are the words of eternal life, okay? I have the words of eternal life. I can tell you the words of eternal life. But I'm, are we willing to take the next step to go to the Lord so that we may receive the life of which is being spoken? Pope Shnuda always spoke about how prayer is like the least popular activity. You know, people enjoy reading People enjoy attending spiritual meetings. People enjoy going to Bible studies. People enjoy doing a lot of activities and they're in the church and they feel like, you know what, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing spiritual work, okay, which we are. But then when it comes to my personal prayer with God, this is where it lacks. Here in the training, he said what? Inner in prayers and outer in keenness of in intellect, you know, inner in warmth of spirit and outer in technique, inner in vision. The way that we speak to God is as we speak to another person, right? It's a conversation that I have with a real person whom I believe exists. It is not just reading a book about that person. It's like if you were sitting in front of me in a room and instead of me talking to you, I got a book that explains uh, facts about you and I sat there reading that book and I never talked to you. Like, that would be ridiculous. Like, that would be f hilarious to see somebody actually, when the person is right there, instead of talking to that person, I'm just reading a book about that person. And that's all I do. I never do anything else. So we should read. And that reading should make us to know more about this person so that when we begin to talk to them, we know what to say. You know, when we read in the Agbaya, it teaches us the words, I know what to say to you. I know, I understand you. I know what you want from me. I, I know what you are calling me for. So that when I talk to you, I'm able to talk to you from knowledge, from understanding. But if I only do the first half and not the second half, then what have I accomplished? Do I have a relationship with the Lord simply because I have read? Right? That's not, that's not the same thing. The next point he speaks about is the goal versus the outer man versus the inner man. He says the exterior is puffed up, whereas the inner humbles itself. The exterior is full of curiosity, desiring to know all. The inner pays attention to itself and desires nothing other than to know God. He's saying what? Even, even our goal, sometimes in, in, in the zeal of wanting to grow, in the Lord, we say what? I want to grow in knowledge. I want to grow in understanding. I want to, you know, I feel like there's there's a lot that I, I'm missing. You know, maybe somebody who comes to the church at an old age, you know, and and, and they're like, okay, I, I have so much I have to make up for. I have so much time I have to make up for. And so we begin what? Wanting to learn and learn and learn and learn, which is good. It's good to learn, right? But what the exterior mind is puffed up in the sense of what? Am I glorying in the amount of knowledge that I have? Am I going about this the right way? I'll give you an example of somebody many, many, many years ago uh, that was a convert. And after he joined the church, the number one thing he wanted to do was to learn Coptic. He wanted to learn Coptic. Um, and he wanted to learn it like as a language wanted to learn it very well i told him that's good you know but you want to learn coptic but that's not the same thing as being like a spiritual person that's not the same thing as like the essence of orthodoxy is not about language you know 
But that's what he thought. You know, maybe more than any other thing in his life, <laughs> when it came to like joining the church, he felt like learning Coptic was the most important activity that could be done. And I disagreed with him. But I felt like he didn't understand this. Sometimes we focus on the external. We focus only on what is on the outside. But what about what's on the inside? The exterior is full of curiosity. We have a curiosity. We have, we have a desire, a thirst for knowledge. Okay, D But maybe we, we desire it for the wrong reason. We desire it because we feel less than others when we don't have it. You know, a lot of times that's our motivation to learn something. Is if every single person around me knows something and I don't know it, then I feel less than them. And I feel, you know what, I need to, I need to learn. And again, I'm not saying that learning is wrong. Learning is necessary, but learning is not sufficient. It is not sufficient just to say now that I know. Is my desire, is my goal simply to learn information or is my goal to be engaged and connected with God? These are very different things. There are people who are illiterate. There are people who can't even read that have a far stronger faith than maybe we have, even though they can't, they can't read anything. They, do, they have very little knowledge, but they have such a strong faith, a faith that's been tested, a faith that's based on experience, based on their circumstances, based on the way their life has gone. They have faith, maybe very simple people that live in Egypt, for instance. Very, very simple people that they don't understand even theology. You know, they, don't, they don't understand, but, but, but when it comes to their faith, they'll be willing to die for, the, for, for Christ but they don't understand these fancy concepts that maybe we talk about in the church, right? The idea of theology is intended to bring us closer to the Lord, not simply to make us content and satisfied with theology, not be able to say, you know what, I have these concepts and I have this understanding, and when people ask me questions, I can give answers. That's not, that's not what true theology is. True theology is knowledge with personal experience with God, with prayer. That is theology. That is true spirituality. It's not just knowledge alone, right? Remember that verse in John chapter 5, verses 39 and 40. It's that same, same exact concept. Okay, so I was the exterior man puffed up, taking pride in knowledge and abilities, right? Whenever I, I have a lot of knowledge, if you think maybe in our workplaces, Whenever we excel in knowledge or in some skill, then everybody looks to us and say, oh, you know what, you're the, you're the expert in this. And everybody needs to come to me to get the answers. Everyone needs to come to me to do something. We feel what? Puffed up. We feel like prideful. You know what? I'm the best. I have, I have this. I'm the only one that can do this. Okay? Unfortunately, that can apply also to uh, religion. Um, growing in worldly wisdom, seeking recognition, we're distracted with many pursuits, right? The outer man is distracted by many things, but the inner man is focused on God. The inner man only cares about one thing. Only one thing. Doesn't care about anything else. Only cares about being with God. Doesn't care about anything else. The outer man is very distracted. So many different pursuits, so many different goals, so many different ideas, so many different activities, right? And we have to be very careful as we're doing those activities, even the activities that look good, Make sure that we're make doing those activities for the right reason. Am I doing it because I want to strengthen the inner man or not? When it comes to the faith, any external activity that I do that is not for the purpose of strengthening the inner man is idolatry. Any activity that I do in our faith 
that is not to strengthen the inner man is idolatry. Because I'm pursuing it for the wrong reason. I'm pursuing knowledge for the wrong reason. I'm pursuing understanding for the wrong reason. I'm doing these spiritual activities because I feel good and I want to show other people that, I've, that I live a certain way, that I fast a certain way, that I do a certain thing, or whatever, or even if it's just for myself. I feel good about myself when I fast. I feel good about myself. I feel good like I'm, 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 I'm doing the right thing. Okay. But do we sometimes, and maybe we're all guilty of this, during the fast, are we even really thinking about why we're fasting? What am I fasting for? Am I fasting because I want to draw closer to God? Or am I fasting because the church said so? Right? Do we, do we imagine that during times of fasting, we have really experienced the joy of fasting? The joy of it. We, we don't even necessarily think of it in terms of joy. We're like waiting for it to end. We're like, this is not joyful. This is something annoying me. And I wish I could get out of it. And I would find any excuse to skip it. And, and I try to do the minimum in it. Right? And then in the end, you say, you know what? We're fasting. This is the outer man speaking. The inner man would say what? Anything that draws me closer to the Lord is joyful for me. And if we do fasting with the spirit of the outer man, we will not enjoy fasting and we will just be waiting for it to end. If we fast with the spirit of the inner man, truly in an ascetic exercise where I truly give up something prayerfully, joyfully because I, I believe that it'll draw me closer to God this will be a completely different experience that we have this will be an experience of what true fasting is intended to be okay so I can do the same activity either with the mindset of the outer man or the mindset of the inner man prayer outer versus inner prayer is likewise twofold exterior and inner there is a prayer made openly and there is a secret prayer there is prayer with others and solitary prayer. There is prayer undertaken as a duty and prayer voluntarily offered. Okay? Prayer made openly versus secret prayer. When we come to the liturgy, we pray together. And that's a good prayer that we need to pray together. But is that the only prayer that I pray? Is that the only time in my entire week that I pray? Is only when it is all together? Do I have this? When, when, when Christ said, go into your room, Right? Go into this inner closet of your heart. Go into the secret place where you are only by yourself. And no other person is going to know whether you prayed or not. Right? This completely voluntary prayer that you are praying. And no one is going to come to you and force you to do it. Okay? This is what the this is the prayer that's voluntarily offered as opposed to the prayer that is undertaken as a duty right how much do we give of god to god do we give to god what is the minimum what is only what other people will require of me to do or do i give extra to god do i give more to god do i give because i really want to be in the presence of god and i seek this and that is why i pray again there is the outer prayer and there is the inner prayer i'm not trying to say the outer prayer is wrong i'm trying to say that the goal of the outer prayer is to bring us into the inner prayer. The goal of the outer prayer is to bring us into the inner prayer. There could be two people in the liturgy that are attending the same liturgy. And one person, okay, they're, they're attending, they're saying the hymns, they're reading the words and everything. And, I, and I'm not even trying to say they're not participating, they're participating. 
But there's another person who, in that same moment, in that same liturgy, has been brought into the inner prayer, where they are really communicating with God and praying, even if it's silence. Even if they are not actually saying the hymns and the... The, 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 they, they've been brought into this place inside of themselves where they just want to be in the presence of God. That this inner prayer is the goal of the whole liturgy. Right? All of the hymns, all of the readings, everything that we do is intended to bring us to this point of the inner prayer. So, so for instance, if we're reading, if we're praying from the Agbeya, and then in the moment we kind of have this feeling of in, in awe that we are in the presence of God, Put down the Agbeya. Stop using it. Be in that presence of God. That is the true goal of the prayer that you're, that, that, that you're seeking. Right? Again, the Agbeya is a tool to bring you into that place. But be careful. You know? Because sometimes we go to the flip side and you say, you know what? I don't need all these written prayers. And I don't need all of this. I'm just going to be, you know, on my own, like, you know, praying. And God is going to, like, uh, I'm going to have this experience of God on my own. Don't be puffed up with this. Don't be puffed up with this. Okay? We need the written prayers. We need the, the, the written hymns. We need these things. Because these are what help bring us into the inner prayer. We should not be puffed up to think, you know what, I have reached such a spiritual height that now I can be in communion with God and praying to God nonstop 24 hours a day um, without any assistance, without any help, right? The church provides us these things to help us. We shouldn't say, you know what, I don't need fasting anymore because I'm, you know, I'm in the presence of God all the time and I'm, I'm in the inner prayer all the time. Again, we can be puffed up in this and we can be deceived in this. So we have to be careful about it as well, Okay. He says, prayer as duty performed openly according to the church rules in company of others are a suitable tribute to the king of heaven, which must be paid every day. Here he's speaking about the duty, the prayer as a duty. And then he says, voluntary prayer, which is in secret, on the other hand, has no fixed time, being made whenever you wish, without bidding, simply when the spirit moves you. Okay? You, ha you have to have both of these. Then he speaks about what he calls the closet. The closet also is twofold, outer and inner, material and spiritual. The material place is of wood and stone. The spiritual closet is the heart or mind. Whenever man is, uh, wherever man is, his heart is always with him. And so he can shut himself in and pray to God in secret, whether he be talking or listening, whether among few people or many. Inner prayer, if it comes to a man's spirit when he is with other people, demands no use of lips or of books. All that is necessary is to raise your mind to God and to descend deep into yourself, and this can be done everywhere. The closet is like the room. He's, he's meditating on this idea when Christ said, when you pray, go into your room. He said, what is the room? Right? The room, there is the physical room, the physical place, where when it's time for prayer, I'm going to go into this physical place and be in solitude, and I'm going to stand before God and pray. And there's also, that, that's the one he said is made of wood and stone. The, the, but there's also the spiritual room, the spiritual closet, which is the heart and mind. Meaning I go in my heart and in my mind, and I'm offering a prayer to God from my heart, from my mind. This is like the spiritual closet. Inner prayer when he is when he, uh, even when he is with other people, demands no use of lips or of books. Meaning, for instance, when in the church we say, pray without ceasing. We say, pray without ceasing. How do we pray without ceasing? I pray without ceasing because in my heart I am praying to God 
all the time. I'm being aware of God's presence all the time, regardless of where I go. Um, so we ask in conclusion, we say, what is this prayer and worship? There is the external prayer and worship, which we do in the church. And then there is the internal prayer and worship that I do inside of my heart and my mind to God. And, and we can't have, we, we, we shouldn't focus just on the external aspect without the internal. The goal of the external is to bring us into the internal, right? So whether we are in the church praying in a liturgy, whether we are praying with the Agbeya, regardless of where we are, we should realize that our goal is to have this inner experience with God, this inner prayer with God in our heart, and that should be our goal. We should not be content simply because we've stood before God and we've prayed with the Agbeya. That's a good start, and that's something we should do. And it's better to do that than to do nothing. So I'm not saying like, okay, well, because we're not praying with the inner man, then I'm just not going to pray at all. No, we're never going to get there if we do that. You say, I'm going to pray with the outer man, but with the goal of praying with the inner man eventually, right? This is where we want to go. This is where we want to achieve. And we should not believe that the external works that we do are the uh, pinnacle of spirituality, that is not the pinnacle. The pinnacle of spirituality is that we, we are in communion with God, that secret communion with God in the heart at all times, whether we are in the church, whether we're at home or work or anywhere else. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Do you have any comments or questions? <coughs> okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O God, for this day, and for the opportunity to stand here before you in your church and to partake of your body and blood. We thank you, O Lord, because you give us many opportunities to learn how to enter into the private prayer, to the inner prayer, and the prayer of the inner man. We ask, O Lord, that you bring us to a, an intimate knowledge of yourself, not simply a superficial knowledge or an understanding of stories or history or prophecies, but we come into a, a communion with you where we see you in person, in front of us and inside us, blessing us, speaking to us, and making us aware of your presence. Teach us, O Lord, how to always be aware of your presence at all times and to seek, O Lord, this experience, to seek, O Lord, to be with you and to be pleasing to you at all times. Grant us your peace and grant us your knowledge and grant us, O Lord, to desire to have this experience at all times. Help us, O Lord, to pursue this, O Lord, in whatever way. And as the church teaches us, O Lord, work, or prayer is work. Prayer is difficult. Prayer is something that we must embark on as a journey, that we enter deeper and deeper by sacrificing more of ourselves into it. Help us, O Lord, to sacrifice of our time, of our energy. Help us to sacrifice, O Lord, what is important to us because we desire, O Lord, to enter into this private secret communion with you. Bless us and teach us your will. And help us, O Lord, to follow you. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, and the communion and the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.